Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone. Uh, sorry for the, the late reaction. It seems on camera. I'm using OBS for the first time, and I feel like I'm on an alien spaceship. So, uh, welcome to, as, as uh, one of our people in our chat put it, uh, seeing you late at night, but here it's just talking nerdy to me. I am your perpetually disheveled host, Alex Maxwell, joined here on the floor by my cat. But more importantly, I have these lovely two hosts beside me. So, go ahead, uh, Please introduce ourselves. Start with starting with uh, Gomi. Right. I'm Gomi. I'm a, an Australian human, I suppose. <laughs> um, I'm a tech head and I've been, I suppose, playing around with all this sorts of stuff and following the the news in that sort of era um, forever, pretty much. Um, you know, background in engineering and computer science and just I just love embellish, embellishing myself in, in that sort of stuff. Uh, Remy? It's my turn. Um, by the way, uh, not going to lie, I am a dialect coach in one of my many day jobs. And so hearing you, I almost went, oh, it's more to, like I went into just pick a random dialect and go. Um, but no, I am unfortunately, sadly, American um, living in Canada. But uh, here I am. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I am the CEO of Rem Alternus Productions, which is a women-owned, nerdy media production company focused all on gaming, TTRPGs specifically, um, and producing Shadowrun content and uh, running Kickstarters and producing audiobooks and all kinds of stuff. So you can find me over on twitch.tv slash master of rem and on twitch.tv slash gencon tv on thursdays hi and this uh well those of you who have been on be on uh, been on cnu for a while uh you know you guys can usually find me here on saturdays um with uh team nevermore as their solo i am also the one of the um promotion managers with the brand uh it's I'm coming up with my first my first year with them. It's, it's almost our anniversary, Rob. Um, but it's, it's been a, a grand old time. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to you know, talk nerd stuff late at night for some of us, mid-afternoon for some others. But, um, but yeah, so I'm seeing my teammates in chat. But um, 
yeah, we've got a a nice kind of like catisserie board of uh, of nerd stuff, be it you know you know tech and science, um, tabletop role playing um, news and updates and discussion topics, and just nerdarchy in general. Um, so we'll be going through these topics and. In a somewhat orderly fashion, riff off of each other whenever it comes appropriate. Chances are I'll have questions um, on either side because, uh, as we talked about before, you know, before I've always loved Shadowrun. I have no idea how it works because my brain is too smooth. At least, at least when I was a high schooler, and tech stuff is perpetually interesting to me. Um, but since we talked about tech, uh, why don't we just get on into it, right? Dive in on that. Yeah, dive in on that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, over the last, what, three months, uh, the whole talk about AI has just sort of exploded. And, you know, while I was um, busy on holidays, I just sort of kept seeing roll forward, roll forward, and all sorts of things coming up from the absolute basics of, you know, um, getting images and, and tweaking it and that sort of stuff. And so I just thought it would be a good idea to start with a bit of a primer in the area, just to sort of get you a bit of an idea of how all this stuff works. Um, I mean, the biggest, simplest idea of way of looking at it is um, how chat, chat GDP actually works. And all it's trying to do is guess the next word. Now, because they've made the particular, I suppose, language model big enough, and we're talking terabytes of data here, it creates human-like chat. So if you prompt it appropriately, it can generate uh, bullshit in an appropriate fashion. Um, because, you know, and I've got a, I'll provide a link to the, um, three page cheat sheet I found on the stuff, but basically it's, it's trying to guess the next word. So whatever prompt you give it, it's going to spit back something in what you're looking for, basically. So the, the first critical thing is that train of thought has disappeared, um, <clears throat> is prompt engineering. Like how do you structure your language to create the right effect? Uh, to get the response you want. So leave, leave it not just to my little waffle about chat GDP, but I actually asked it, um, how many layers does it have in its neural network? So if you can bring up the first graphic, right? Yeah. The, the first critical thing is when you're talking a neural network, you're talking like a bunch of inputs. And this is the first layer, what they know as the input layer. And that's sort of like it senses. Um, that's how it perceives the world. On the far other end, you've got the output layer. That's how it spits out stuff, and that's the decisions it makes. Then you've got multiple hidden layers in between there, and going from one of those little circles to the next one, there's a chance it'll trigger or not trigger, and then by triggering the whole network in one wave, getting to the far end, it'll choose what word to spit out. And the, the what they call the weightings on how it goes from one node to the next, that's all built out of the language model, and that's annoyingly complicated maths. And I don't have the brain to deal with that sort of stuff. But when I actually asked ChatGDP, how many layers do you actually have in your neural network? It, was to, it gave me the stats of like 12 layers, 17, uh, sorry, 117 million parameters, which is the inputs to decide what comes out the other end. So it, it, it's a huge amount of stuff that can look at the structure of language that you fire at it before it decides its response. Um, and I'll leave the, the full description it gives in here when it spits out when we put up to the show, show notes. Um, and the other side, of course, is the size of the language model. Now, this is based off um, 
are the GPT-3 model, which is, uh, according to this, 570 gigabytes worth of data or about 45 trillion words. And this is not just like, um, you know, a dictionary. This is sentences, pieces of artwork in terms of literary writings and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, as a, as a basic level, it's really just like gazing into the abyss and getting it to fire back words at you and to try to comprehend them. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's the looking at seeing it like visualized in this way. This very similar to uh, back when I was I went to college uh, for mm. for for game design, uh, and yeah. this was a very similar model to how like you know how questing trees would work. Um, it's With it's it it, it mm. looks like less non Euclidean than this because there's there's less layers to it. No, but is once I I saw this visual when you provided, I'm like that's 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 weirdly familiar. Um, it's demystifying. Core of it is really, really, really simple. Uh, ahead, it's Barbie. not for me, but I really like the the description you did because um, I do not speak Decker, and so um, you know computers are magic and have feelings to me, and usually those feelings are angry. So. Um, <laughs> So, no, I, I really liked the way that you, you know, explained it with visual aid. I can tell uh, the teacher is coming out IRL. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to explain these sorts of concepts for many a year. And uh, I've learned how to translate geek to human, as in geeky IT speak, into human. Um, it's just, you know, one of those things. <clears throat> but, you know, I mean, ChatGDP is one of the many engines out there. Mm. Um, I put a link into a website called Future Tools, and it has hundreds, and it's adding more every single day. And this goes from, you know, the simple stuff, which is what ChatGDP is meant to be able to do, which is copywriting, summarization, et cetera, et cetera. But that particular thing has been then used in um, GitHub, um, some program called TaxKeeper that I've never heard of, which is meant to do your taxes and stuff, and Duolingo. So they're taking these language models and actually doing direct sort of useful applications for them. Um, but, and this is like comes with a really strong word of warning is that because it's generating content, and so I got up to write um, just some sample pieces for um, games I know like Battletech and um, uh, Cyberpunk. And reading through what it created, it looked right, but when you read into the detail, you go, wait a minute, that reference is wrong or this part is wrong. So um, with the guys I work, I work with, we went through and looked at some of this stuff, and it's, it's really that whole idea of it looks about right, so it gives you that first draft, but you've got to come in as the expert and fix it. Yeah. So I can see yeah, I, I, there was a huge amount of worry about AI will take our jobs and all that sort of um, BS, uh, which is a short Australian slang for bullshit. Um, it, but it won't. You know, it will actually amplify what we'll do and we'll be able to do stuff quicker. So we can knock out a first draft. You can get, hey, write me a responsive email from a HR manager of, manager of 30 years apologising for not attending the meeting. And it will spit something out. And you can then go through it and contextualise it to the situation that's completely appropriate. Yeah. That's the because it was I think it was because this kind of like 
you know cross bleeds into into my segment of things where it was like well, one of the, like the can't remember the particular name I'll have to go double check my the the actual source but one of the like the larger like like small time like in, like indie publishing like zines you know very similar to like weird tales which is st still one of the many but uh one mm -hmm. of the one of the big ones where you know people go and send in like their short stories and novellas to get them published to get their name out there they've for the first time since like i like like the late 1920s or 1930s they, sh they shut down applications just because people are just throwing the chat gdp stuff in there and they're like we don't know if the person wrote this or this was written by a machine and that's because like i submit my stuff to that and like oh i've got a thing i can submit and it's like we're shut down god <laughs> yeah it's, it's not taking my job it's just it's that whole thing where there's like now there's like oh we're not accepting things this time because chat gdp has has gummed up the works and i took that yeah, personally yeah. um look there, there's things like that that have happened um two interesting things is that uh paizo has will not accept ai generated art mm -hmm. uh which is a good stand to have on it and i think it was back in january i noticed on reddit that the June uh, subreddit had had their own Butlerian jihad and had banned AI-generated content. Love that reference, man. Let's so doing reference, ten out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can't get better than that, really. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so you know, that's one text-based application for this this whole AI thing, mm -hmm. but you then go on and look at it where it kicks off even further. You know, the, you would have seen the image generation stuff online, be it daily Two, stable diffusion, mid journey, or countless others that are out there. And people are now taking these different models of generating images, mashing them together to see what other stuff they can produce. So it's getting a whole range of different things. Um, looking at that stuff personally, uh, cause I'm a teacher of multimedia. Yeah. I'm going, well, I don't know where the copyright range this is because to build the model, they went across the entire internet and grabbed a heap of content. Yes. They didn't that. have permission. And that. Mm, and that then goes, well, yes, we just fed it into our model and it, there's no none of the originals there, so we should be fine. But the thing is that Getty Images has stepped up and said, no, you're not because we can see our logo and the stuff that you create. So... This is something for the lawyers to sort out, honestly. Um, it is. And I'm, I, I'm so, so this is funny for, for me, like in doing the show, I, I try to like absorb and listen to multiple perspectives and I largely stay quiet usually so that like I can absorb and understand whether like, you know, what are the pros? What are the cons? Who's into it? Who's not? Um, but, you know, you guys brought me here for my opinion. So you're going to get it. Yeah. Um, I'm unleashing now. Um, so, yeah, the thing with with AI um, art and, and you know, the content, I'm, I'm still kind of muddying and processing through. Um, but with the art, it's like, I have no problem with it if there's an opt-in, you know, like if, if some, if there's an artist that doesn't have a lot of exposure that wants to um, maybe like, man, I've, or, or data was available to be able to say like, man, this uh, TTRPG company uh, has used several of my images in AI um, to spit something else out. And so they really like my style. Maybe there's a partnership opportunity mm. there. 
Um, so to be able to opt in and say, yes, use my art to help me market myself and my skills, like I could see that I can get on board with that. But the fact that it's just a web scraper at this point, that's just kind of running wild. Like that's the part where it's like, you don't have permission. Somebody did work hard on this and, Ooh. and now you're taking it and not always accurately, you know, with those AI images that have like seven fingers and, and yeah. 15 heads that are all creepy and terrifying, but like, that's still someone else started with that. Those leaves in the background, someone painted those leaves, um, you yeah. know, or someone did digital art on those leaves. And now you just went, boop, my stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's my, I mean, my life, hill yeah, to I, mean, die. I, I agree. It's like the entire internet's built around this idea of just take, copy, use. Um, you know, when you look at a website, you get a full copy of it and there's nothing to stop you keeping the contents. Um, but, the problem comes in, of course, selling it commercially, and that's where people kick up a stink, and with rightly so. Um, <clears throat> but there's case. There's a case a little while back of DeviantArt. They scraped their entire library of artwork and used it for their own models. And only later did they say, "Oh no, you can actually opt out." But the thing is, because the model's built, they don't need to scrape again. So, and yeah, there's a big thing on ArtStation where everybody's labeling this stuff no AI so that um, it can sort of be excluded from appropriate models. So, it's but, a, asking forgiveness rather than permission. It's like, oh, you can opt out. Yeah, but what, how many AI programs are there? And now it's all of a sudden, as an artist, my job to go find those places and find who has stolen my art so I can opt out of it. Like, yeah. well, the, no, no. <laughs> have you, do you know about, um, uh, oh, there's a password thing. Have I been pwned? Um, I think it's the name of it, where you, you can find out whether or not your password has been, um, or your account has been hacked. And so you can find out whether or not you're, um, you need to change your passwords and stuff. There's a similar service that's just cropped out that does the same for AI stole, uh, images. So you can actually verify whether or not your your creations have been taken and used in models. Um, most of the models are we, based on the same stuff. What's the link to that? Can you send me the link? Because like I'm gonna blast that to friends. <laughs> I'll have to find it again because I can't remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> I should have added it into my show notes. Um, but just this conversation has reminded me that oh yeah, this thing ha exists. It's it's one now, of those things. That, go ahead. Uh, I was going to go into the text thing. So if you have something about the art, I, I defer to you, friend Alex. As the the only time I've is as, as you know, I, you know, I myself and you know, when Mid Journey especially first came out, it was like let's have a look at it. It's like interesting. It's weird. And uh, the of course you know we were all we were all laughing at the hand things. Like we I, I know exactly why the hands always messed up. Why does <laughs> every single artist struggles with them? I, oh yeah at every levels and it's and if it's if it's raking just you know scraping the scum off of whatever is all over the internet there's going to be so many it's like there's like a massive percentile of people who have you know the screwed up hands in their artwork so like one of my favorite bits of ai art i've ever seen was someone asked an like an ai generator to create a like a sign language guide 
and it is it is absolutely love it's absolutely lovecraftian it's like and there's this oh, one no. where yeah like there's just way too many fingers are nowhere near enough there's one where like it's, it's like like a person signing but then there's also like a hand that's like their mouth it's it's horrendous and hilarious at the same time it's very very uh very geiger very um Got a, it's for, for Cronenberg, um, but say like, I I love that stuff. Um, so that that gave me a good giggle. Um, then I've I feel also like we're in, in we're in Jurassic Park mode where it's like no one stopped to ask <laughs> if they, we should. Yeah, you're so busy asking yourself if you could, just stop asking if you should. Yeah, uh, but uh, internet uh, finds a way. No, but the uh, the one thing that I that I've seen, especially with like Mid Journey, where it'll create like the four like the four thumbnails. Um, I've seen that you like not like taking like oh i'm using this art now but like um like a painter friend who will like go and they'll ask for like forest winter like the like sunset and it'll create it'll create a color cue similar to what you'd have in film and so they it's a very very rough very muddy thumbnail of just like a like a color palette that is that is passable so you're not spending the time color mixing it'd be like but going if you're looking at color palettes just as a as, as a thing like you can go to adobe color yeah, they have people have put together thousands and thousands of color palettes, mm -hmm. you know, and you've got the same for lookup tables or LUTs for film production. Yeah. So, you know, this, this they're, they're getting AI to replicate stuff that's already been done. Yeah. So the, um, the, it's, it comes uh, from God, the are many, many time in finals, you're like, you're, when you're looking for reference or looking for a palette and then you fall down a research hole um, and you're, and you're, you're there for, like, it's been, oh, it's been three hours. Shit. I need to get to work. Um, that's, yes. and so they can like, oh, generate this and you have something that you can work off of and just like color pick certain things from that. That's like the least offensive to me. And it's, mm. it's, it's ones where like, we're making some, some very like very like weather appropriate instead of again like digging through just various reference images or an Adobe library have something be generated by a you know, by an algorithm which they can mm -hmm. then like okay that looks right that you know this is a nice you know, mix of color and wash I can use this and but yeah, you're, I mean, you're not you're not robbing you know people's you know, uh, you know intellectual properties poses faces spaghetti fingers whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, this well, spaghetti finger part, you know, AI accepting oh, work from itself. That's just a simple meme that's floating around out there of its two almost hands shaking hands yeah, as it's bad. accepting work. And yeah, it's 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 a mess of, of fingers and God knows what else. So, yeah. but um, yeah, uh, and I do I I do think what you were saying though, Alex, is there is even again like. So someone who can't draw or can't draw in a specific style or something like that, being able to say, build a concept again from opt-in art mm -hmm. to say like, okay, I want something like this. Who are the artists that have elements of this in here? Mm -hmm. And then like, maybe there is a collaborative thing where, uh, you know, Alex, I love the way that you um, draw hands shaking and it's not creepy. And then Gomi, I love the way that you do backgrounds. I like, can I get you both to work together on something? And, mm. but again, it's, it's kind of, if we could use that to help promote artists mm. and find people instead of me, like drawing a stick figure tree and saying like, I want you to draw this, but it looks better. Like, <laughs> you know, the there's art notes that, that yeah, artists um, hate. <laughs> sorry. I, I don't know if you can hear my cat. She's screaming at me for food. Um, <laughs> but when, when you look at it, 
Um, one of the examples I saw a person use was to use the AI generator for concepting, to generate heaps and heaps of concepts, and then to be able to go take those a couple of those concepts and go, yep, these are the ones I want to do, and I want to take that bit of that one, that bit of that one, and then lay out their artwork and paint it up. So they're taking that as a point of inspiration, and this is where I can see uh, the AI generator for digital art to be somewhat useful because you're taking that as a point of inspiration, then you're creating your own art from the inspiration. Um, or if you're doing, say, an RPG product, you can use it for a heap of inspiration because it's kind of relevant, but then you can also look at the prompts you use to create that art because it'll be in the style of such and such or in the style of this or that. Or you can go perusing ArtStation to find artists who reflect the styles you want and then make direct contact with them. Yeah. Um, you know, it, one of the, I suppose, not being overly artistic myself, if I was to go through and create a product, um, I would be making sure I use it on, on open sources and that sort of stuff. But I then want to track down artists and get a, a Kickstarter or funding campaign to happen to get them paid. Yeah. You know, with all sorts of yeah. businesses, you say you get paid last, but you, you try and get the thing done. But also reaching back to your earlier point about um, the openness of the images, like stuff that's not um, people stuff and they're happy to have it shared. If you look at the audio, uh, there's a Google library called Music LM, which is a machine learning library that generates music. But, and this is the interesting point, with the AI, with the image stuff, they just grab it from the net. With the music stuff, they were very particular to stay within the bounds of copyright and only chose public domain sources, stuff that had fallen into it, because the copyright in the, around the music industry is a lot stricter than the the um, image side of things. Okay. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting to sort of see how that line is being drawn by the same company. And I, I feel like with that, so that shows that someone has done the homework, right? Like someone has figured out the way that was the right way to do that rather than like, Hey, just going to launch this and oops, sorry for those that don't like it. Um, our bad. We're, we're working on it here. We added an opt out button. Like, yeah. you know how to do this right. Um, and you chose not, not to. to. Yeah. yeah. It's that, and that, that comes into like a, a far bigger and far more cyberpunky. um, method you know a conversation of corporate overreach etc cetera, etc cetera. um we are in dystopia as, yeah was, as our, yeah we are in the, the lame dark timeline we've got the dystopia but none of the, none of the cool cyber limbs where's my chrome pancreas but uh, they're coming, i promise yeah, they're coming one day um but speaking of that i think it's um because we've been i i can keep talking about AI, you know, both the uh, like conjectural and what we have right in front of us for oh, yeah. forever, oh, yeah. but we don't have forever for the show. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Remy, for our tabletop news. I, I don't know how I didn't pay attention to this. It's just Rem. It's not Remy. Oh, just Rem. Rem. There we go. My, my, uh, my company's name is Rem Alternus. It means alternate reality in Latin. Uh, that's all. Um, so yeah, uh, so I think speaking of evil companies, um, let's talk about the OGL. Oh, oh boy! <laughs> My neurons are activated. Take us away. So segue there. Um, now, like at this point, of course, it's been resolved. There's so much content out there on on what happened and and all the like 
all the steps of what Watsy slash Hasbro pick your poison did wrong. Um, but I, I'm really interested in like more of what the end result is in terms of, you know, what this means for D and D, what this means for tabletop gaming, um, in other venues and how like, Watsy was just like, Hey, we're making all this money. We're not making enough. How about we shoot ourselves in our own foot and let everyone else catch up with us? Right, um, <laughs> so like, I kind of want to hear from you guys on how you're feeling about some of the creative gaming licenses and, um, and what's coming, you know, Paizo talked about it. Green Ron, green. I always say this wrong. Green, green, green Ronin. Green I always Ronin. emphasize it wrong. So it sounds so white, <laughs> but, uh, but they're doing some really cool stuff with um with you know creative gaming licenses and stuff and there's new there's something brand yeah and then there's something new coming from uh Catalyst Game Labs as well uh oh. and I'm not sure if this expands to BattleTech or not yet but I know it's coming for Shadowrun where um they are about to launch something called Hollow Streets which is basically a creative gaming license partnered with catalyst so um it's almost like you can build and play in our world um but you get a cut and we get a cut um and so they're they're like is that gonna have like a the, platform how the dm dm's guild works over at um drive through rpg so in a, um, I thought, in a I way thought they go, uh, in a way? okay yeah it's like as the the dm's guild takes about like half if i i can't recall if it's if it's right off the top or or after taxes whatever uh depending yeah. if you're shipping a hard copy or if it's purely pdf but they usually take about ha like half of what like per sale okay. too um yeah. that's the last time i was i had my finger on the pulse of this uh once once the whole thing they like once they they break checked and stopped yeah. um i i you know stop being in a perpetual sense of panicked rage i've got I, I i've got things to say about this so go me go you go ahead and oh okay i mean i'm i suppose i stopped regularly playing D, &D when it was second edition so this is a long time ago mm -hmm. um the most recent fantasy campaign i played in was a friend's son's um pathfinder um campaign um it wasn't Rise of the Rune Lords. Um, it was the one where you found a kingdom. I can't remember the name of it now. Kingmaker. Yes, it? Kingmaker. And we've got like one, maybe two sessions to go. And thanks to COVID, it's been on a hiatus for three years. Um, the DM has basically get getting to the close of finishing his degree, which he hadn't started when we were playing last played this. Um, so you know, it shit happens basically. Um, but I mean, there's also, I signed on to the black flag project, uh, from Cobalt press who are also signing on to the orc license or the open hmm. something, something creative license. I can't remember what it yeah, stands open for. Open role playing yeah, creative it, license. Yeah. Is that it? Cause I, I always just get excited by the word orc and leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the time of the orc has come. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, most of my interest has really fallen in the sci-fi end of the genre. Um, I mean, I'm a big cyberpunk nerd, and I have been um, 
since the early 90s. Um, before that, it was Shadowrun 1st and 2nd edition. Um, and then since then, I've sort of... Uh, look, I've had moments in Traveller and um, and I've been in and out of the Battletech universe heaps of times. Um, about a decade ago, I was training uh, both my children up on how to play the tabletop um, and got their friends into it as well. Uh, so just trying to, you know... That's sort of, I suppose, where I am. So I've already migrated away from um, 5e. I've never actually played 5e, so I, can, I don't feel I've got much of a stake in the conversation. Um, right. Pretty- All right. Well, then, I mean, it's nice to have an objective person that's, like, watching from a distance. Is like, I see what's happening here. Um, meanwhile, Alex and I can be the ones uh, that rage, I guess. Well, cause, <laughs> as I, it was, It was in, got it, it was... September of last year, where I, I I broke out as being part of like an indie publish and indie published, you know, in like the tabletop role playing community. But those of you that that do play Five E still, or if you play uh, OSR, it's called Raven's Rook. It's if you want if you want the cyberpunk feel, but you you like fantasy, just like you know more like grounded fantasy instead. Check out Raven's Rook, the city of brigands and bandits. I I edited it for it and did some writing on it. You can find it on DraftThru RPG. Um, but it's it was the like it was it released like you know I, like in September. Uh, my my bosses, uh, you know, Tony, Will, I love you. you. You know, you guys come by honestly. You're grognards. They don't know how to social media at all. At the time, <laughs> at, at the time, I didn't know how to social media at all either. I th- this was coming out of you know coming out of quarantine. I was basically a feral person at that point. I wasn't reintroduced into proper society, so. uh but it came to a point where it's yeah we're making some sales the kickstarter went well and then um the ogl happened and we were right when we were getting ready to have the print release out and ready and so the entire future of the book just went just dust in the wind and we were all it was uh every day just became like what are we doing guys like do we take it down before like um because um is this a thing what do we do what are we doing like because te- it was dual slotted for osr and 5e so osr had like a bit more leeway on it because that leans more into like the the old ogl that paizo's in um but it was it was a lot of a lot of late and sweaty nights just worrying about like what my primary source of income was going to be if all this crap happened because that was like you know like writing with wicked studios that was how i was you know buying my insulin and getting my groceries um and then that was terrifying like, yeah it's was, it was like hey yeah you know the, the meds that are really expensive anyway maybe you can't afford them it's like oh good uh, i guess i'll go back and be a range safety officer or something that'll be fun but um yeah and, i was i not, was rabid well and not even for what what watsi and and hasbro what they were what they were doing to the 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 indie publishing and and what that could mean for their sales but also shooting their themselves in the foot with their fan base so then you know fans like you get punished from both ends you get punished from the watsi end and you get punished from the customer base who's now like well screw D &D, i'm never doing this again and it's like Mm. but wait i'm i don't suck like and the the fact um, that this it happens directly after the the complete botched release or and like business approach with uh, mtg 30th 
like the like the 30th anniversary oh, okay. of Magic the Gathering. And that was they shot themselves in the foot with a 12 gauge shotgun. Like there's no foot left on that leg. And then oh, the, oh. and then they went like, maybe it'll be different on this one, and they just pump it and do it again. <laughs> so no way. Yeah. Uh, and not to mention what happened with with Hadazi, the Hadazi race. Oh mm. that they introduced. Like it's like 2022, they were like, <laughs> right. What are our plans to suck the worst? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, it, it's not just one mess up. It's been a series of mess ups. And, you know, I feel for the people at Wizards who, like, are roped into this because the evil corporate overlords are saying, like, well, we need to, we're cyberpunk dystopia and we need to make more money. And they're like, but our fan base will get pissed. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but more money. And it's like, don't do this. And they're like, yeah, but yeah. more money. And then they're like, oh no, what happened? We didn't know. Um, but, you know, in terms of like, I run a community of live streamers and gamers and role players, and we do a learn to play program. Um, you know, we play D&D on our streams. We have a comic book uh, that's steampunk fantasy, and we do an actual play that takes place in that world uh, using D&D 5e rules. Um, and we do we have like an all black cast that does uh, Descent into Avernus. Um, and and like 5e has been such a core of who we are. Um, but it's also like no matter as as mad as we get at. Watsy and how we want to watch our spending or like in terms of me and my community, how we want to watch our spending and not support um, the evil cyberpunk overlords. Um, at the same time, like D&D is a mental and emotional release for some people mm -hmm. that like we don't want to take that away from our audience if they have a need for that and they like this was something that was helping them as people get through the real life. Yeah. We don't want to take that away. Um, but I think also for the people that are mad and are hurt and do want to walk away from D and D, like there are so many options out there. And so we're kind of taking that stance of like, we're going to do both. We're going to try to actively not, you know, um, not go out and buy every D and D book that we see now. Uh, you know, for the new campaigns and stuff like that, but we're going to take what's existing and um, and what we already have and make sure that there's still a safe space and a sense of community for those who need it um, while making other options available. So like our learn to play was just D&D. We're now going to be doing like Shadowrun, um, learn to play. We're going to be doing Thirsty Sword Lesbians or, or Fifth Season or whatever the heck we feel like. Um, as long as there's another option for those who need to step over. Having multiple options, I think, is a great thing because having migrated away from D&D ages ago, I've seen all these different options pop up. And, like, I picked up a copy of Fate and read through it, and I really enjoyed it. And I like aspects of it, and I look at other aspects and go, oh, I see it as something for experienced role players because just sort of the step up to that level of creativity having run mm -hmm. uh mage the ascension for a couple of years the hardest thing i found was for one of the players explaining the magic rules every session um because that requires a certain level of um creativity with the framework of how the magic works but i look at the magic system there and go that's an amazing magic system but it's also balanced mm -hmm. within the world um then looking at sort of um, the, the Paizo stuff, it, it, that just feels like a D&D &D clone, but there's 
nuances and differences in there that give you a little bit more crunch that tie into the um, third edition 3.5e version of D&D. Um, so, you know, and this whole OSR renaissance has been great to see emerge and evolve because there's just so many options on the table now that you don't have to try and um, clutch together your own version of the game or bring in multiple house rules from wherever. It's actually this debacle, I suppose, um, has caused more people to start exploring different options. And from my perspective, I think that's going to enrich the community in the long term. I don't know how Watsi is going to recover from this, but I'm certain they've got plans. I mean, you know, they've got people to help work with this stuff for them. And so having seen, you know, some of the games I, I started with grow, evolve a little bit, and then just sort of trail off, and others that have sort of pitted along in the background and now exploding to um, prominence again, because it seems like the Battletech community is just sort of exploding over the last couple of years. Um, Watching those 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 that the ebb and flow of game systems where one thing's popular and another thing's popular and and that sort of stuff. It's the um, go ahead finish your thought. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say like with Cyberpunk Red. Um, having been an old Cyberpunk player, I really love the um, the dystopian nature of the world and how the tech is 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 done. And you know, our local gaming groups, we had our own different take on it, as every group does. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. Gaming itself is a very creative enterprise. You know, the reason I know anything about creativity is because I've played lots of D&D and we've gone through absolutely mad situations, you know, things like convincing a dragon to spare some of its blood so we can time travel and and things that you just weird like that. Um, but anyhow, sorry, you, you have a... It's the, uh, the one thing that I, I guess that always kind of struck me as very strange because, you know, I... You know, I I came up playing, you know, you know, uh, three, 3.0, 3.5, and I got into a lot of like Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf and Cyberpunk in high school, as everyone who had a, a teenage goth face did. Um, yes. Um, but it was like growing up, like in the like when before like tabletop was was chic and cool. Um, let's get, me, get my cane into like an old grug nerd for a second. Um, no, but like, there's like this whole thing of like people saying like you can take my five E over my cold dead hands. Like, not a thing that has ever really like been a precedent. And now there's so many, especially like people that are like new into the hobby and came in and and saw like you know the you know, the you know the capstone of you know the the pyramid as it previously was and you know over quarantine was fifth edition D D and people just hmm. went all into it and it's like yeah and i mean i've i played i played the campaign once as a player and that was a that's a horror story for a different time i've been a gm ever since because i said like, that's never happening again um oh. but it was oh uh but um yeah it's the i've i've had the same game like sunday game group for eight years yeah, I've, I've been gaming for them all kinds of campaigns, and it it did take this, and also Edge Runners coming that coming out for them to be like, oh, that Cyberpunk you talked about that, let's try that. I'm like, oh, see, it took it was the show, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But it's the <laughs> but it's seeing like the return to the, like the older status quo, of like yeah, let's try different games. And this is you yeah. know for if, yeah. I, if there's if there's any any GMs, DMs, players, whoever watching this, uh, as someone who has spent probably way too much money on uh, tabletop books of any system. Many of them I will probably never play, um, but I have read through. Uh, mm-hmm. var- variety will make your favorite game better. 
um like learning different systems and seeing how different systems work and interact with the 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 various goblin you know goblin gems that you have in your in your collection um taking that and applying them once you understand them a bit to your favorite game or games um will vastly improve their experience like once once i got my hands back into you know back into cyberpunk with red and i understood how that worked from like reputation i love that and so like and it's great and just using that as as a sliding scale for my games whether my whether they're playing like my 1920s like potion prohibition Mm. game or they're doing you know some like regency thing like having like a sliding scale of of reputation and how people can perceive them that's that's changed my game rep is a great idea because i love the way that you've got this reputation here and then you've got your character skills so you have style over substance Mm. And they're separate things that, you know, you can make happen. Like, you know, I've had a group of players and they had a media who was basically selling the story. And that was what the media was doing while they were doing their thing. Um, And some of them were completely inept. Others were brilliant at what they were doing. So, um, but yeah, diving into other game systems is brilliant because every game system has a really cool idea it has to on offer. Um, I Played used to play and run uh, Rollmaster, which is a an archaic, highly complicated game written by accountants for mathematicians. Um, trust me on this one. But inside it, it had some really cool ideas, and this came out in '81. And so the cool idea, of course, is that any character can pursue any part. So you can have fighters casting spells. Of course, it's very difficult for them. But the thing is, it opened up the door to saying, well your character is not the stereotype. And then, of course, to make combat more dramatic, um, you've got critical hits. And and these are not like, oh, right, you're just being injured. No. I had, uh, in in one game I was playing with, I had to face down, my character had to face down a troll, and I got extremely lucky, and I spent two rounds standing in the corridor going, hey, who needs my help? Because I didn't know what to do. Um, until one of the other players got his knee blown out by um, a powered-down lightning bolt called a shock bolt. And because he was up on the roof with spells, that spell had like half a minute to go before it ran out. So he crawled across the roof and down the wall to avoid falling and splatting the 30 feet down from the dungeon roof. And so that creates wonderful chaotic drama in your situations. And... As an idea, that's something that I feel that um, Core 5e lacks. But, you know, Red it, has got it in its crit hit subsystem. I feel like 5e, though, is, and especially because of Critical Role, like, mm-hmm. I mean, TTRPGs have blown up because of the era of Critical Role and stuff like that. So all of a sudden it's mainstream. All of a sudden people love D&D because that's what Critical Role and Matt Mercer does. Mm -hmm. And so it is a great, it's great baby food before you get like solid food where Mm -hmm. like if you've never played a RPG, it is crunchy enough to be intimidating to a new Mm -hmm. gamer. Um, But it's also soft enough where like gosh i i run a D game a home game every tuesday for like friends from my past that i just never wanted to lose touch with yeah. and like we've been playing for over a year and i still every single time that we roll initiative it's like um action bonus action movement free action next person's turn action 
bonus action, free action, move. Like you got to still say it every time because they're like still confused and still a little like yeah. uh, timid about it. But um, but I think like once they get it and once they start like getting passionate about it, that's when you can start opening the door into other mm. things. And like like we I didn't I wasn't feeling well one day. So we uh, or I didn't have something prepped. I don't remember. So I was like, can we play misspent youth? And we played, uh, you know, a punk team game uh of fighting against authority instead of um of of D D, and like they really got into it and so seeing some of those different worlds and different systems um will will make them start to question like what else is out there and and how do i be part of it and especially because i'm just on a roll now like now is the era of games that are expanding into other fandoms that we love where like yes there's cyberpunk and stuff like that but there is also avatar the last airbender now there is uh fifth season which just finished on backer kit as a crowdfunding campaign which was um based on nk jemison's broken earth trilogy um like there is so much out there like if you love any world like probably there's someone trying to make an rpg of it yeah, you so can probably find uh, it somewhere yeah 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 I mean, that's the great thing about of having this range of RPGs is that you can dive into other worlds and even if you, I don't know, dip into a book and take some really cool ideas, you can then add it to the game world you're running and that's, you know, part of the joy of actually throwing this stuff together. Um, so, yeah. I told you guys my cat would probably want to come up, but here he is. Hi. <laughs> Yay! And then, um, you know, of course, as... Like you mentioned, Gomi, like the fandoms that that ebb and flow and change and stuff like that. So I was getting into Shadowrun when Battletech was about to launch Clan Invasion, and oh, yeah. that did $2.4 million. And now at Adepticon this year, um, they're going to be launching their Mercenaries campaign. And like I've heard that their fan base has quadrupled since Clan Invasion. So it like things have exploded. And oh, look, I'm definitely signing on to that one because um, I I love the earlier eras before the Clan Invasion, just personally. But um, but the entire universe is really expansive. It's got some really interesting, I suppose, hardware for um, tech nerds, and it's a war game base. But it's also got the role-playing aspect of a really rich universe for a sci-fi universe that's there's there's a couple of them out there but it's you know it's delved into the history of science fiction um you know grabbing its roots from um giant mecha anime and stuff like that <clears throat> I, it was explained to me because at first so i have an ex that was works for games workshop and uh so it was for me, um, like he left a bad taste in my mouth of Warhammer. And so when I see big stompy robots anywhere, I'm like, uh, but then they were like, yeah, but it's big stompy robots meets game of Thrones. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> so when you start to appeal again, it's that like, you might see something where you're like, I don't know if that's for me. And then you find like anything out about it and you're like, okay, I could see where that could, even if I get into it and it's not my, like, world mm. there's something you can take from it and insert into your own systems and games and and stuff like that and and you know i'll always talk about shadow run as an example but like 
you always have the Mr. Johnson, you always have the big evil corporation, put that into D and D like, and, and now you've made your world more complex where it's not just like, there's a dragon tormenting the city and you must save the city. It's, it's also like, okay, but like, is there, or is the King just manipulating, you know, like there's (laughs) all kinds of, uh, you guys were talking like 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 highbrow changes my my player group lost their goddamn minds when like when the half-orc thug just pulled a sawed-off shotgun out of his jacket like wait what the hell um yeah and and he's popped it open loading loading like solid silver shells and it shot thunderbolts like i want one of those um <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I, I worked with firearms for a while. I'm a bit of a gun nut, and I I, I love historical firearms. But uh, yep. there's also uh, it was King Square. Hi, Nick. Uh, it's one of my my teammates on on Team Nevermore. He uh, had a a great thing back in the chat. If I didn't miss it too far, uh, but it was the Five uh, <laughs> E is a it's it's a great it's a great entry level RPG. Uh, it's it's not so rules light that it's like only for one shots um but you know it's it's a you know ram as you said it's it's just has enough crunch to it um Mm -hmm. it's you you guys put it far more taste than i have where 5e is it's it's the gateway drug to to tabletop role-playing games you take it like is there something harder like you know this you know it's like or is there something more flavorful or is there something like more story-based yeah that's right because the the sommelier who's like would you like to try something from this vintage (laughs) um but uh but it's 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 yeah flavors and spice of life that's the all the explosion of colors that remy has in in ratatouille of when he mixes (laughs) two flavors yeah and you've got i mean what got me started on cyberpunk was the fact that you had Shadowrun, which was magic elves mixed with uh, dystopian future and just mashed together into this like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird, but let's have a look. And that got sort of me started. I, I, I love I love Shadowrun lore. Uh, so we'll get into when we get to my segment after. Because uh, Rem, you want to talk about um, some some cons before we switch over? Um, I, I, I want to make sure there's time so I can talk about con, cons next uh, um next time if we need to but i do want to say like for march um the end of the month is huge so like in one weekend there's like uh pax east adepticon um uh gary con and there's something else but i know uh that adepticon in chicago for those going uh catalyst is going and they're doing the the battletech launch of the kickstarter there um but more importantly, if you're going to GaryCon, I'm going to be there. So, like, say hi. <laughs> and so, I, unless and unless I have my calendars wrong or they changed it since quarantine, uh, end of March, beginning of April is WonderCon over here in Sunny California. Uh, I so because like that's usually where I would get my birthday drinks at like the hotel lobby there because I always lined up April first, baby. Um, mm. But uh, well, down in uh, Victoria, Australia, uh, we have Conquest running in over Easter, the long weekend. Um, I haven't checked the address because they've moved it again, but you should be able to find it on their website, and all the games are up. What will be running and that sort of stuff. All right, excellent. Um, so we've got we're going a little over an hour, but we've got enough gas in the tank where I can I can just wrap us up on just general geek and yeah. culture news. <laughs> it's blue. Um, so there's. I had a full disclosure. I had to change my uh, my my notes for what I was going to be talking about a few times because things just kept happening. 
Um, so I'm going to start out with with a big one, especially uh, with in correlation with Separation Uncensored, since we, you know, we've got good friends, Modifius, and we've got a, you know, we've had a few streams with Fallout 2D20. Uh, there's been some big Fallout leaks regarding the show. Um, a lot of images that have been uh, have me excited, um, but also because it's of who's making it. Uh, Prime Video, I'm, I, I want it to be good, and but like uh, Peripheral is decent. The Boys is really good, but uh, Prime Video has hurt me personally with Wheel of Time and Rings of Power, especially Wheel of Time. They did my favorite character really dirty in that. Um, <laughs> but the thing is like. I'll be, I've got some images here. Let me just, oh, there we go. Let's find the overlays. So for the, the, I guess the, we'll start with the, the big one. Um, one of the big ones is we have a location for it. Uh, from photos on set that have come down. Uh, if you, if you know, you know, I'm not surprised that prime video has gone that's the popular game. Um, so we're getting it in the, uh, in the NCR. Um, and as being a, a resident Californian, uh, I'm happy. Uh, it also, it going in deeper, they've got uh, some. We've got some images from two vaults, um, from set pieces. This is the interior of Vault Thirty Three, which I believe is going to be the from our, for our protagonist. And those of you who are like in the deep lore of um, of Fallout, uh, it's vaults one through thirty four are more west coast based with uh, 34 being more inland mojave um but there's one of one of my favorites also is the the red rocket looks so good like straight out of the game i i i i try not to get too hype because the wheel, wheel of time looked amazing like the casting was perfect, the costumes immaculate, the props yeah. like not exactly how I imagined them in the books, but still really good. And then the show happened, and I was like, "That's come on, man!" But um, yeah. but so like I'm, it's not it's not a book to, uh, to film translation. It's a it's a video game to film translation, which in their own right have not had the best track record. Um, yeah. But uh, be that as it may, I'm I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, and I, as I encourage everyone else to be, you know, as we anyone who's a, who's a fan of Fallout, of course you want this to be good. You're a fan of science fiction, of course you want this to be good. Um, you know the the I they scrubbed a lot of the the better images I was looking for. The they also had a, a Brotherhood of Steel piece of power armor, and oh that boy that boy thick. Um, the I the scale of it is. It's it's so much bigger and robust than what we saw in the games. I know it's the fact that it's practical effects instead of CG shock. Um, oh, that's nice. I'm I'm and I'm sure they're, they're gonna doctor it up with like some stuff in post as you normally do for these things. Um, yeah. Back to Wheel of Time, the Trollocs looked good. They were they're guys in and basically fursuits, and that they just made look really lively and powerful and in motion in the show, and they were one of the cool looking things in it. But um, after that, going from one um, one thing that has me going, uh, maybe, to something that's kind of sticking in my craw a bit. Um, this is something I just found out about this week. Was uh, Warner Brothers wants to give uh, Lord of the Rings the, the Star Wars treatment. Okay. 
Um, what do they mean by that? Uh, so they they want to because it's been God what almost oh God almost twenty years since. Yeah, um, I, I was gonna say don't say it, but I was too slow. Like <laughs> it's it's been it's it's been it's been a while since uh, since the the Lord of the Rings movies came out. Um, and I mean if. If you if you guys are you guys are like me and you're in a similar age bracket as me, it came out during like the go, like the golden medium of like you know impressionability of your life, and if, um, and if you're like me, you probably want. Uh, uh, I just did my I, I, you look like I raised look, both my children on good orcish violence. Good, okay. They from, you, you from look three to me. So attackers had watched that movie a number of times. Yeah. Um, when it we saw Return of the stable. King, mm-hmm. yeah. When we were, when we saw Return of the King, my wife was heavily pregnant, um, but we we we'll guarantee we're getting the extended editions. Oh yeah, because I mean, both of us grew up reading the books re- regularly, and just having that caliber of actors in that movie, it's like, oh my god, I have to see this. Yeah. And the fact that they got um, Alan Lee and John Howe to be their concept artists, the pin- pinnacle of um, art visualization for the Tolkien universe. And they've got those guys to be the concept artists for the movie. You know, they did so much right in that um, oh, yeah. in Lord of the Rings. And it's the, and also you had someone who's been, you know, who had been trying to get the, you know, land that, that seat as the director, Peter Jackson. You know, it's, you know, Peter Jackson, he's, you know, he doesn't have a, an immaculate or, you know, he, uh, like resume he's he's had some his non lord of the ring stuff has not done as well it's cinematically still uh, very good have uh, you seen brain dead no it's, 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 no um it's a big great horror movie from one of his first yes i because um, I, I, I i still i respect the hell out of the guy because again it, there's there's not many there's not many films that i i watch once a year and it sounds like mm-hmm. you guys do that too um and i'm and I, I, I don't know if you guys have, but every time I was like, oh, now it's, you've got it in like, you know, in, D, in uh, HD DVD. Now it's in Blu-ray. Now it's in 4K. So I've bought the extended edition like four times. Yeah. Um, I, one of, of my favorite watchings was this past year, actually, because um, I took my best friend to Gen Con. And she's one of the people that I play uh, in my D&D campaign and have to say action, bonus action, movement, free action. Um, so like as she was getting this and like kind of getting her feet under her, um, I visited her last summer and we watched, she, she made me binge watch all of stranger things, which is fine. I was good with that. And then I was like, now it's my turn. And we watched, uh, all three Lord of the Rings. Um, and, uh, like she started putting the D and D spin on it where when Gandalf is like, um, um, this foe is beyond all of you. It's like, they're too low level. (laughs) So being able to, to see that and, and start to say like, man, this is a heavy role play session, you know, when they're all, you know, arguing and stuff like that versus fighting. And um, I love that. My my group is the same things. And we, we always bring, yeah, like, like a Hobbit food, uh, for, for snackage. Cause you, 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 you you need your three square meals. If you're watching that, that's a, yeah. Hmm. But, that's, uh, a, that's a whole day commitment. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a whole day commitment. Yeah, you know, get your get your snacks, your drinks, and of course you have myself and a few others. That again, it's always like, oh, like, 
Say, Saruman the White, Saruman the yeah. Fool, and it's always going with voices and everything. Mm. It's always the, the the GMs that are sitting there watching the movie that just you know that will do the voice and everything else. Um, but yep. with the Warner Brothers wants to approach this new generation of third. It's they only have the rest of the third age, uh, Lord of the Rings. So the stuff that's you know within the Hobbit and um, and the Hobbit, the Hobbit uh, Ring, well, Rings of Power is second age. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's this it's this weird thing where they say they want to get the Star Wars treatment. So it's like, oh, are, are we going to be getting like an Aragorn show or and like or like like the Legolas mm-hmm. films? Are, are we going to? Mm-hmm. Like, there's already been like, oh, it's a, a Tom Bombadil film starring you know James Gordon. I'm like, you take that back. <laughs> I was. Oh, there was nothing made me wake up faster. Like no cup of coffee, Turkish or otherwise. When I'm going through like boot, do my morning boot up, and I see that on my Twitter feed, like no, <laughs> this I'm not awake yet. Wake me, actually wake me up. Um, wake me up nicely. Yeah, but it was, it's because I you don't need to remake film perfection. Um, it's this, in film per, per, film perfection being like the Lord of the Rings films and the like the nineteen ninety nine masterpiece of the Mummy. Uh, you don't need to remake those. Yes. Those are perfect I, I, films. Or the nineteen eighty two version of the Thing. That too. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. There's absolute classics going all the way back that you go. Yeah. Why don't we just not touch that one? Yeah. It's like um, it, it's it's perfect. Leave it be. It's that's fine. Hmm. Um, there's honestly so, to me. Ahead. The remakes are lazy, too, where it's like, okay, this world, Middle Earth, is so vast and diverse. If you want to play more in that world, absolutely. But don't tell the same story of the ring. Like, that's done, and it was great, and we loved it. But now, like, dive into, like, um, the... the how the elves arrived, or, or um, um, you know, the... The, the dwarven mine the mines of moria before what happened like i want to see more of that i want to yeah, see more world building and if you're not creative enough to write that then don't do it so if, there's it, bucket loads of resources out there around it because like my second game system i ever got was middle earth roleplay the precursor to rollmaster mm-hmm. and one of the things i remember that there's there's this gorgeous little um dwarven hill fort nestled in um, the west side of the, of the Misty Mountains before you get to Rivendell, um, between that and Bree. And it was just this small module. Um, but the thing is, it, it worked so much to create the feel and, I mean, the art style, um, I can't remember the name of the, the artist who did a lot of the artwork for it, uh, somebody with Brian, I think. But regardless, the, they went to great lengths and scholarship to feed in as much as they could to really um, create that vibrant world. And when you look at all the game systems that have really knocked it out of the park or, or the, the fantasy universes, they're the ones that have that extra layer of depth. Why did people connect so well with Game of Thrones? Because it was a fantasy version of the Tudor War of the Roses, mm-hmm. you know, and it had a, a, a very fleshed-out history. And, yes, it tried to shock you, but it also had a, a good richness to it. Tolkien, he created, what, half a dozen different languages before he decided to write the books? You know? It... I would also argue that with Game of Thrones as an example, the other reason we watch it, or I watch it, is because I'm a spiteful bitch, and if all of the good characters are going to be, like, horrifically punished, then I was in that for as long as I was, because I was just like, 
come on like i want to watch you get punished <laughs> like, like i was where's in my it for so long. yeah <laughs> and it I waited yeah. so long. Because, yeah, like, and, and saying that like, there's, because there, there is such a richness in this, you know, things that, like, and watching Rings of Power, you know, again, as Amazon does, the costumes and sets were, oh. Production values are way over the top. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. sadly, like, they, they market it on the $1 billion TV show. I'm like, that's all you're using for marketing, and that's not a good sign. But, um, no. but it was like the, the, the production value did show through. Um, and I know the, the token estate can be hard to work with at times. Um, because mm. there is one of those things where there is a there is an elf and human romance, and it's like, oh, well, there's warnings about this. Like you mentioned Baron and Luthien right damn now, or I or I am going outside. Um, and they didn't. I went outside, I had to walk it off and like a Baron Luthien film would just be like tear, ugly, I would ugly cry. Um mm. But I've I can I can wax eloquent about uh, Lord of the Rings five ever. Um, I, I still have other things I need to get. You through. will not have a problem here, but I think we have other things to talk yeah. about, don't uh, we? Yeah. Since we're, uh, I'll touch very briefly on on the film review I have slotted for this because, honest, sadly, it's not too memorable. Ant uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. It was visually, it was very fun. Um, mm. but so, it was. It was style over substance, but not in like the good cyberpunk way. Um, yeah. It it gave up a lot of what made Ant Man such a, a breath of fresh air when it came out in the MCU, and then Ant Man and the Wasp falling on it. It's they were a change of like the superhero formula. They were heist films, uh, which I was like, oh, oh my god, my mind's blown. Um, and we have a more standard, normal superhero That's film. One of the things I really enjoyed about uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier was it was the flavor of an 80s um, style um, spy movie. Yeah. You know, that covert action kind of stuff going on and revealing the dark and deep, deeper plot and that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, when, they, when, they, when they break superhero mold is when they did, they do their best stuff. But it's, sadly, this was this is very, like, return to form. The, like, the family dynamic didn't land there's it just, yeah. it's like things just kind of like happened um if it wasn't for jonathan majors the the actor for the, the titular antagonist who i believe is going to be the big bad evil guy for this current arc uh oh, this is kang yeah it's kang the conqueror he i mean i'm i'm glad they they got him fit because like you know this he's i guess i watched him in lovecraft country he was built and now he's he's jack he's huge it obviously because he had to carry that whole goddamn movie um yeah. but uh we, we, without him would it would not have done as well um regardless of it's like it i would put the if i gave the film like a color scale it falls kind of like the like the beige plastic box like tupperware mediocre um <laughs> having survived the 80s and the beige computers before they all went black and stylish yes i can understand that yes yeah, so it was like the the it's one of those things where, like the art the art book and like seeing like the concept art used and not is going to be super fun to look at in its own mm. right the the like the designs of creatures vehicles weapons etc like the design team blew it out of the out of the park it was yeah. it was awesome uh jonathan majors great you know paul red he's a, a saint and is immortal. A, and yeah um is he he filled out his mitz his mitzvah decks and yeah he's immortal um yeah, I, <laughs> uh, but it's the 
the the thing I took away from it is like the they they have the perfect guy playing Kang because he he sold yeah. like that that just that towering menace that Kang had in the comics and I'm looking forward to seeing him more. Um, is that he's a glimpse of what can like what can be really good of what a is currently in the, like the post Thanos struggle. There's a a lot mm. of a lot of lands a lot of like well, landing a- flat and a few landing on their feet. I mean, there was a huge build-up to Thanos, and it made that such a huge, massive event. And then to try and replicate that experience again but a lot after faster. having Thanos and a lot faster, that's a challenge. And, you know, it, uh, you know, having seen stuff um, where I've watched movies and gone, oh, this just needed to run another run-through of the script, mm-hmm. or they, they just needed to work it a bit more, or in this situation, why wouldn't you do that? And, and kind of stuff. And it's like, if I can think, oh, why wouldn't this happen? Then I'm not a scriptwriter or anything, but it's like most people could be thinking that sort of thing. And really, you know, you look at the way Pixar goes through and develops their scripts. They, they may give it six to 18 months lead time before they make the decision of whether or not to produce the movie. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, concepting script writing ideas before they pull on the entire animation team to run with it. And I've seen a couple of things that have been, oh, yeah, in a couple of years' time, this is going to be coming out, and then they, it never does because they've just, they've decided, like, yeah, that's just it, that needs a lot more work. We're just not going to run with that this time. We'll, and it may evolve and change into something else. And you're, you're 100% there, and I was, I was thinking to this to myself when Alex was talking too, where it's like, I, honestly, I've thought like seven times during our conversation tonight, like, they, they the, the same Jurassic Park reference where they didn't stop to think whether they should. But like, it's the, it's the capitalistic deadline. Like we want this to come out this date and make us more money. Mm-hmm. And we yes. don't care if the art is right. We don't care what it does to the fan base. We want this date because date. Um, mm. And, and that's what I see with a lot of this and a lot, like a lot of your feedback too, where, you know, Alex, where it was like, if they had taken their time to really get it right, like, okay, you had all through the Thanos arc down. And then it feels like instead of catching your breath, instead of taking your time, instead of recovering from the loss of Tony and where you're going to go next and who's going to be your big bad and how are you going to kind of emotionally recover with your audience and get them like plant the seeds for the next thing to come. Take your time. I don't, I don't need a new Marvel movie every other month. Like I can wait, I can do it. And (laughs) People are willing to wait if it's good, you know, stuff gets judged on the quality of the writing, the artwork, the production values. Now production values, you know, I I think it was the life of Pi, the big budget, uh, movie, the CGI, uh, CGI company won the, the Academy Award for that. And two months later, they went into bankruptcy mm-hmm. because the, the the company that they had signed the contract with said, no, you've got to do all this extra work to make it up to scratch, which won them the award. But it also bankrupted the company. Um, so part of the, the model sitting in the background there, I think, doesn't work for, for artists appropriately. But what I want to say just for your, your story side of things is – you know, having that pause, taking that breath before you dive into the next part of the storm or you face the next occurrence, that you have 
a little bit of world building. You know, not every game session has to be facing down a big bad, but it can be hijinks in the tavern or something light, fluffy and comic. Um, I, I Personally, I, I quite enjoyed um, WandaVision, oh, the initial half of it, because it was taking the TV format from the 50s through to the 2000s and experimenting with it. Yeah, and it was, as she was going through her neurosis, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was uh, like as we're talking about the like recovering like emotionally with the audience. The whole that whole show is about is about grief and how to cope with it. Mm. And that was I'm like like they planned this out, and also like this is this happened during that particular time period during you know global history when everyone kind of needed you know some coping. Um, yeah, it was yeah, I, it came out at a perfect time. I and it's one of those things where like. Some of the other shows, like I was at like, Winter Soldier and the Falcon, uh, should have been a movie because there's there's a lot of just like bloat. There they didn't they didn't take the time to trim the fat off well, all the scenes. I've but yeah. people online comment that uh, it's like, oh, you've got this movie idea, great, we'll turn it into a TV series of ten or twelve episodes. Mm-hmm. So back and forth. Um, I I was just looking at the chat and somebody's going to have to have words with us about Quantum Mania being the best from Phase Four. I don't know. I haven't seen it. And it's the um, phase. I mean, all uh, the best from Phase Four is that's not a very high bar. Um, oh, I guess it depends what what phase are we in. The Quantum Mania is definitely one of the better ones in this current phase, but it's also it's rubbing mm-hmm. shoulders with the rest of the films, which is like. But um, it's you know, it's these all these opinions are purely objective. Um. But this, it was one of those yeah. things where I came away from that movie being like, I can't remember a lot. I'm also not trying to talk spoilers for those who want to go see it for themselves and conduct mm-hmm. your own opinions. Because that's the that's what thing. I'm thinking of doing down the track. So, you know. Yeah. So it's it's definitely well, like and, watch it once at the very least. And and know your audience. Cause like, gosh, when you know, Lord of the Rings came out, when Hunger Games came out, when Harry Potter's came out, like there it was always you left the movie theater like I have to wait three and a half years for the next one, but I am going to put it on my calendar today. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like we're willing to wait. We are on the hook. Do us justice, you know, or else we we lose that where it's like, I don't know if I'm going to see the next one because meh, yeah, um, they're losing it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's been a huge um, flood of content. You know, there's been that many offerings from Disney around the MCU. I mean, I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed and burnt out by it that's, really that's actually this ties directly into one of my other talking points which is mm. uh starting within it started in 2020 again i can't imagine what but uh where like the major seven uh like kind of like publishing houses marvel dc image idw boom dark house and dynamite uh they you know they all had a, a rise in sales but nowhere near as high as independent comics. Mm. I think a lot of that ties to the, the superhero fatigue. You know, you have the, what every single film quarter, you've got a, a Marvel film, whether you like Marvel or not, it's there. And then you mm-hmm. have, you'll you also probably have a, you know, you'll have a, uh, like a DC film that happens. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and also then on top of that, you have, you have the boys so again, like the boys is different enough. Um, but also like, you know, if you're, if you're more squeamish or it's, it's you, you don't want to, that's not your flavor of superhero story. Like I, I understand that same with invincible, right? But there's this, every look, there's superhero something. Mm. Um, and that's, that's the, 
the majority of primary yeah. like and primary then, published comics and that's where the like the others and i should note that the metrics i was looking at others was not taking into account things like like manga or uh or variants or etc these were just like small like very small independent publishers that just yeah. like took off because they tend to be very out there in various different ways one of my favorites that i i read each of these probably twice each through quarantine was the ghost of the gulag especially because ghost of the gulag you can read it for the whole thing for free on the guy's website um but then also black sad and gypsy star um gypsy star i found through heavy metal magazine um yeah. and black sad uh because i've got i've got art friends or high artists and say like, oh so, it's, it's it's it approaches race and religion in the 1950s through <laughs> the, the gaze of animals I'm like that's oh, sounds wow. sounds like animal farm and then it's then, it, then it's noir i'm like yes um oh yeah. wow that's interesting i mean that's the thing independent publishers can go these instrument combinations get them out there and that sort of stuff but i have to ask is heavy metal still running because i i lost track of it years ago I, and yeah okay, so have i i i found it when i was I, I i found you know the uh just like a sip of it that was in an old heavy metal i had just because my mentor mm. collected them and you know, he moved to canada and he's like i don't want to pack these here take them and i was just had this sheaf of just oh, wow. yeah old heavy metals and i just i found this one I'm like oh this is like for those who don't know, uh, Gypsy, the Gypsy Star, it's like cyberpunk ice ice road truckers. It's 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 very like, yeah, like Pond Smith meets um, like Max Rocktansky, but you replace all of the sand in the outback, and it's just like snow cold north. Um, it's really cool. Read it. It's if you, if you want to, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I was like, I just got like a, an omnibus of it, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and it's again, it's small. A lot, a lot of them are. Are European a lot usually like like uh, French or or more like Eastern Bloc? You know, yeah, you, you well, I've noticed that Mobius came up in uh, heavy metal years back uh, <laughs> before it became, I suppose, more widespread over here in, in this direction. So, and you know, seeing what other people are creating and putting out there as stories is really really interesting because you know, I mean, at, at its core, what we're doing in gaming is really just storytelling. We have mm -hmm. a system to sort of help push that story or help create boundaries around it like call of cthulhu is really good with its sand mechanic to limit that you're going and discovering all these hidden secrets at the cost of your own mind mm. kind of thing so it creates that wonderful tension in the game and a good story a good storyteller can craft a story that you get to the end of it and go oh hell um and it sort of gets you thinking or gets you engaged with it um that's one reason i like neil gaiman yeah, stuff he's done. Oh, I, I talk about an artiste. Yeah, um, no, I said Neil Gaiman's the. I I found I found him I found him very late. Uh, sadly, uh, I I first discovered him when a, a friend of mine gifted me um, was it American Gods because you know I'm, mm -hmm. I I love urban fantasy stuff and she was like here give this a read. Um, oh, have you read the Dresden Files then? Oh yes. Uh, the, the, oh, good. If, if it wasn't for the Dresden Files, I would not be married to who I was married to. She introduced me to them, and and that was that was the rest is history. Yeah. Um, we play a Dresden Files RPG on Mondays on my channel, and uh, cool. yep, they're so obsessed with it. Oh yeah, no, it's the, <laughs> Michael Carpenter is the best boy, and I will not be oh. taking any questions at this time. Um, <laughs> having read, I, yeah, I read through the entire series up to date, and then I went back and decided to reread it. And I found Easter eggs, and it's like, oh my god, this was planned. Oh yeah, um, and and even getting to book ten changes. Um, by the end of it, yes, it had me in tears again. 
even yeah, though I knew it was coming. Everything. Um, it, it's funny though, going back and reading, like I felt like I got to watch him grow up as an author because the first three books are not well written like the stakes are still high it's still an engaging Mm. story but there's times where it's like and the misogyny you know like and living in chicago where it's like that's not it doesn't take you 10 minutes to get anywhere like if he's wearing Um, if he's wearing crappy old cowboy boots maybe as 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 tristan has always want to do um if he can fly and not take public transit in of any sort um but uh yeah like those those are the worlds that that bring something special to 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 what we have and what we we know you I, I and i just got to this is cut to work with uh kevin j anderson on his most recent kickstarter um and he's the author of the dune books mm. and has done star wars and not the original dune books i need to clarify that but yeah. um and Star Wars and X Files and all, like he's had this huge career and impacted sci-fi um, in a huge way and like let's do more media and film and games that take place and play in these worlds by these authors that write a whole lot better than your scriptwriters do. So. Well, and also that that breaks the just like the, the Ouroboros of of reboot and reboot and reboot rewrite mm. rewrite and it's this yeah. the to my we're talking about we just talked about books and that's going to my the final segment i have uh those of you who have stuck around uh thank you um <laughs> this is my, when, when people who like the same things riff um but uh i have a uh, way too many favorite books but one that is i i recently picked up because probably because it took me so much by surprise uh was a uh, rebecca roanhorse's trail of lightning mm. um because i picked it up on on a whim because uh, I was, yeah. I I finished Dresden the you know, Dresden Files as it currently stands, um, and I was like, I need I need something, um, mm-hmm. and this is one of those things they say don't judge a book by its cover, but the cover has like the lightning bolt on it is foil and it's shiny and my goblin brain went <laughs> ooh, uh, <laughs> but uh, but and I picked it up and normally I'm not I'm not huge into the post apocalypses or young adult books or mixtures of both because that was kind of all you could read when uh back when the zombie apocalypse thing was really popular but this took me by surprise uh because it it tells it through first the the author is is uh is first nation i believe navajo if i'm not uh rebecca i'm i'm sorry um but the uh it, it and it's told through the eyes of a of a young D, uh, dna ta monster hunter and it takes place in the sixth world and in, in you know in you know native american folklore the world goes through phases i believe like the even worlds have magic and so you know it's it's our world after a climate catastrophe and there's monsters everywhere and like the you know the the people have their magic back but there's also like monsters and gods and one of my favorite myth- mythological figures coyote himself shows up and he's the best um i i found this it like it i was i was flabbergasted because i these are normally isn't kind of book I'd pick up, but I did, and I couldn't put it down. Um, the, the the Rebecca's you know narrative voice very well done, um, and it was one of those things where in reading it, um, there was it, she uses you know actual like you know Dene Navajo dialect, which I would have to stop and, and like I don't know what that means. Um, and it came to a point where once I like I've read that I have no idea how that sounds, uh, which. I the audiobook 
also fantastic, very well read. Also helps me to be like, that's how that word sounds. Um, so, so <laughs> yes. yeah, so I don't go and like try and pronounce it and sound like I'm I'm choking on on a sandal or something. Um, no, but it's uh, words can be a really tricky thing. I mean, a pa- a Paladin versus Paladine. I yeah. couldn't work out which one it was. So yeah, but oh, that sounds like a great one. No, it's, uh, it's, I I thoroughly recommend it. There's a uh, there's a second book out there I've yet to pick up. There's a, there's a Storm of Locusts, um, but it's mm-hmm. a and uh, because you know I when they said oh it's the like the the the, the sixth world chronicles or the the sixth world series and like I, I I know I know Shadowrun lore I know the I know what the start of that um, yeah it's just it's like super super well done it's, you know it was a hidden gem um, that yeah. sadly I I couldn't I couldn't find like more of the book um, like you know at the Barnes and Noble shelf. So like, you know, I, I encourage for those of you who are looking for to you know change your, your reader's palette and try something new, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, um, and, go ahead. And speaking of book rec- recommendations, I love this idea of having like the, the book segment. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big reader too. I've actually, so I do an interview show every week on um, Gen Con TV and I've had a bunch of authors and I now have like 275 books I need to order and read because they all sound fascinating. Um, but just to start with right now, um, we, there are, so those that don't know, hi, um, I produce the audiobooks for Catalyst and for the Shadowrun line. Um, and so we've got 30 audiobooks in production. We've got a new one that's about to come out. Uh, we're looking at like possibly even monthly releases this year and we're putting together, um, for those who know the Shadowrun Hong Kong video game, it was novelized. Yeah, it was novelized by one of the authors. And then we are now turning that into a full audio drama. Uh, and we've got some big names in gaming and in voice acting on it. We've got George Ledoux, who was in Mech Warrior as Duncan Fisher. We've got um, some of the R vocalists who, right after the game came out, uh, did a playthrough. And so, like, he's like the voice of. Um, Duncan Wu, who is uh, Trendane Sparks. We've got Stephanie Shea, who was the original Sailor Moon. Um, we've oh, got, wow. uh, yeah, we've got Jason Charles Miller, who is a voice actor and talented musician who produced the Final Fantasy XIV soundtrack and wrote the first two theme songs for the first two season of seasons of Critical Role. Um, wow. We've got a lot of people on board who are just phenomenal. Um, oh. So grab yourself a copy of that book. And, or play the game and uh, be ready for for the the audio line. Mm-hmm. But um, all of the Shadowrun fiction is I, I haven't picked up one yet where I'm like meh. Um, I really like Dark Dark Resonance by Phaedra Weldon, and that helped me speak Technomancer a little better. Um, but yeah, the the stakes are always high for Shadowrunners, and so I really recommend the the fiction line. And I I have a couple other books that are on my shelf that I'm about to pick up uh, that are non Shadowruns. So for next month, I'll I'll, I'll recommend those. Excellent. <laughs> uh, Gomi, do you have a book you want to? Any recommendations on your end? Or um, well, I'm currently reading Stephen Fry's stuff on Greek mythology. Um, so Stephen Fry, if you know Fly, Fry and Laurie, um, mm-hmm. but. Steve, I think he showed us Mycroft in one of the um, Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, but comedians from the 70s and 80s in the UK. And he's got a, a really dry sense of humour and a really good voice. And so um, Zeus and Prometheus have just created humans and let them loose on the world. 
Um, so we'll see what happens next. Um, it's got wonderful little footnotes in, I won't say in the style of Terry Pratchett, but definitely, you know, adding to the story there. Um, the other thing, I mean, there's a couple of things I've been reading at the moment, but that's sort of the main one because um, I have to read too many technical things. So I kind of, I go through phases of like, I really want to read something completely different mm. or I just want to read some, I'll just read something that's sort of a little dry. So that's, and yeah. I'm going through a dry phase, so, but I'll get back to it. Yeah, no, for, this, for sure. Um, but I think well, we are. We said it was gonna be a one-hour show. We're almost at two. Um, I'll get, yeah. I'll get, I'll get better at this. I swear. Uh, but for for those of you who stuck around in chat and have been engaging in chat, uh, thank you. And you again, you're always welcome here. We're always happy to talk nerdy to you. Um, mm. I have been one of your hosts, Alexander Maxwell, and I have been joined by Gomi and Remy. Give your your signings off and where where they can find you on social media if they can. Um, I don't exist on social media. Um, well, yeah, not officially anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, as always, the technology is not evenly distributed. Right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Rum Alternus Productions or Rum Alternus. You can find me on Twitter at Rum Alternus Productions or The Rum Alternus. Um, I'm, uh, we have a Discord server. Uh, we're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Master of Rum. Uh, we stream five to six days a week. Um, I'm also the the producer now of uh, the Shadowcasters Network for all of your Shadowrun content. Um, we've got fifth edition games. We've got sixth edition games. We've got uh, podcasts on lore and history. We've got the Arcology with Mr. Johnson for news in the uh, Shadowrun uh, vein. And um, gosh, what else do we do? So we have those. Uh, yeah, we have our audiobooks that we work on. We do crowdfunding campaigns um, for creatives, publishers, writers, uh, game designers. Um, so you should check out our Facebook and our Discord. Get involved. Come play with us. We have a streamathon in April, at the end of April. So if you want to just jump on and live stream and game for fun for a weekend, you are welcome to. Um, I'll drop that link in the chat. All right. And, uh, and and once again, I have been your perpetually disheveled host, Alex Maxwell. You can find me in the Cybernation Uncensored Discord under Maxwell. Um, and at which, if if there's anyone in the chat who has corrections for something that I've said that has been inherently wrong, which is always very probable, blonde moments all the time, uh, please at me with with links to sources on corrections. I I hate I hate spreading misinformation, and I would and I will own up to whatever mistakes and corrections when I do the show next. Um, uh, until then, it is it is late for some of us, and even later for others. Uh, I thank you for my fellow hosts for joining me on this ride, and look forward to doing this again next month. And until then, I will be seeing you all later. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Fascination on censored.